right, welcome in episode three of Four Score, the podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Dupre. We were talking a little bit off the air, Rob. A lot of Mets stuff has been going on, and it's taken up a lot of the first three episodes. This is an all-sports podcast, but as you know, if you live in this area, the Mets consistently dominate the headlines. Uh, we left off on the note last time that the Mets had parted ways with Carlos Beltran. They have named themselves a new manager. Luis Rojas, 38-year-old quality control coach, has been promoted to manager. He's been given a two-year deal, so uh, not exactly the biggest vote of confidence for him. But Rojas is going to manage this team in 2020, Rob. And for a team that is in win-now mode, this is a little bit of a risk. Not so much staying in-house, but hiring someone with no managerial experience to, with a win-now team, as was Beltron. So this, these are two risky hirings in a row for the Mets, and you're just going to have to see how this how this pans out for them. Well, we knew they weren't going to go with the veteran. We knew that already. We've said that before. Um, so no need to think they were going to bring a Buckshaw Walter or a Dusty Baker at that point or Mike Socia. Listen, Rojas has paid his dues. He's been in the minor league system with the Mets for eight years. He's coached four different minor league teams for them. He's had success. The players all love him from what you read. Alonzo, um, Stroman, a lot. They all spoke of him very, very highly. So let's give him a shot. You know, everybody's got to get a chance sometime. Um, I, their best option probably was to stay internal because, you know, you're 25 days away from spring training. So to bring in a new manager that's just foreign to the organization probably wouldn't have made sense. So let's give him a shot and see what he could do. I, You know, again, like I said at the last episode, it's going to be determined by the players. Now, the only reason why, you know, like you spoke about about their window, you know, you have a, a cost-controlled pitching staff right now with Syndergaard and Stroman and Mats not making the big money. You have guys like Alonzo and McNeil and Conforto not yet hitting that big free agent year. So they're on the cost control and Brandon Nimmo. So you kind of like to take advantage of that right now. But maybe the way they're thinking is that within the year, the Wilpons will be ousted and Steve Cohn will be in and there'll be an influx of money coming to them. I think once his money starts pumping in, I think this is going to be a different organization. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say this is going to be Steinbrenner's Yankees where they're throwing you know a ridiculous amount of riches at every free agent on the market. But I think the the... Overall approach of this organization going into free agency may be different once that influx of money comes in. But you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, this is a cost-controlled team, but it's a talented enough team to make a playoff run. And the expectations are a little bit different than they were in years past, right? Remember a couple years ago, before the 2015 World Series, it was always, well, wait until this young pitching staff comes up, all right? Wait until DeGrom gets here and Syndergaard gets here, him and Harvey and Matt, all these guys, just wait. We'll be right there. And now I think this team has kind of shifted, okay? Zach Wheeler is gone. Matt Harvey is gone. Matt's has never really blossomed into what anybody expected him to be. I think at this point, your expectation for Matt's going into the season is an adequate number four starter in a rotation. So now your big guns are just DeGrom and Syndergaard, who really hasn't lived up to his potential either. But you're starting to get some of these bats, Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto coming into his own. So this is a different team, but still a team that's able to compete. And with Rojas, there's a lot of risk involved. Now, he has plenty of managerial experience at the minor league level. He's spent 
Over 10 years with the Mets organization, coaching and managing at different levels of the Mets farm system. Now, just to give you a glimpse of the current players on the Mets roster that Luis Rojas has managed at some point in time in the minor leagues. Jacob deGrom, Brandon Nimmo, Robert Gesellman, Seth Lugo, Steven Matz, Luis Guillorme, Dominic Smith, Ahmed Rosario, Yoannis Cespedes, albeit for yeah, rehab it's assignments. Mo- it's most of their roster right now. Nito, Familia, McNeil, Alonzo. Right. All these guys have played underneath him. And, like you mentioned before, Marcus Stroman coming out and saying something. Stroman was only on this team for a cup of coffee at the end of last season, and he had nothing but nice things to say about Rojas, too. So, if your intent with hiring Rojas was hiring somebody who's going to be able to communicate and get along with the players... I think this is your number one guy, but everything else remains to be a well, question. Well, we don't mark. need another Mickey Callaway on our hands. I don't need my manager hugging my plays and being best friends with them. You know, here's the bottom line with Rojas. All right, you had success in the minors. You had success with a lot of the plays that are on your roster now. But can you handle the New York media when the going gets tough? You know, can you step in front of the podium and answer the tough questions? It's not easy in New York with the media. Everybody knows that. You know, you're when you're managing in the minor leagues, you're managing uh, kids that are not making money. Now you're managing men that are making money. Managing egos. It's, and you're managing egos. So all well and good. Let's see how he handles that. So the jury's going to be out. And again, that's why I say a veteran manager would have been best, but it is what it is. But you know who doesn't have problems in January? Is the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. So we can segue the, into them a little bit because... Why, why can't the Mets operate like they do? Where there's no bad publicity and no public because relations Because the Yankees' nightmares. number one agenda is to win championships. That's the bottom line. We're winning championships. They don't they don't look at it any other way. We're going to win championships. It's been that way from the days of George Steinbrenner. Yeah, they had some lean years. Of course they did. It happens. But once they started hitting that period into the early 90s when that whole core started coming up together with Jeter. And, of course, Jeter, you know, gets elected to the Hall of Fame. And we're sorry, Yankee fans, he fell one vote short of unanimous. Boo-hoo. Let's, you know, come on. The guy got 99.7% of the votes. Let's stop. So, you wait. It, so, you're, you're just going to vote. You're just going to dismiss it like that. Yeah, if it's dismissed. He made it. Who cares? It's, it's some idiot, probably in Boston, that wanted to make a name for himself. His name will come out one day, and a dope will get his five minutes of fame. Won't even get 15. He'll get five. I'm the idiot that didn't vote for Derek Jeter. Fine, whatever. You're a moron. Move on. Move past it. You he, know, got, he got every other vote but that. So be it. It is what it is. So congratulations to Jeter. He was an unbelievable Yankee. Unbelievable postseason player. Deserves it all. Um, so he's a guy who knew how to handle the New York media. Oh, he was smart. He was smart. He stayed out of any trouble whatsoever. He stayed out of it. You know, you, you look at a guy like him with his celebrity, and, and you know, for him never to really have a problem off the field in New York all these years, you know, you got to give it to him. The guy handled it as a business, the way you probably should handle your business. Right. So, you know, the Yankees will come into this season coming off a 103-win season last year where they had a myriad of injuries. I mean, you look at the injuries that the Yankees had last year. They look like the Mets. Year. They look like they, the Mets. They had guys like Andujar out. Stanton was out. Hicks was out. Didi missed half of the season. Sanchez was out. Judge was out. And these guys were all out for a period of time. Severino, their best starter coming into the season, was out. I, I, and yet, they just plug guys in 
like it's nothing. They bring up the Mike Tockmans of the world who they got from, you know, an innocent deal in March of, of 2019. They pick up Mike Tockman from the Rockies. He came up and contributed. Mike Ford contributed. Urshela contributed. These guys just come up out of nowhere and contribute for the Yankees. You know, they took a strong bullpen into the playoffs. And listen, it's the same thing for the Yankees for the past two years. It wasn't so much their pitching, their pitching that, that, you know, disappeared. It was their hitting that disappeared. And when you face great pitching in the playoffs, it's definitely going to overtake great hitting. But what the Yankees did was they went out and signed a great pitcher away from a team that they've had problems beating in the playoffs in Gary Cole. Now, people could argue about the money they, that they laid out for him. It's a hell of a lot of money. It's nothing to the Yankees. We're going to go out. That's the guy they wanted. That's the guy they went out and got. And that's why the Yankees compete every single year. Because what they want, they get. If they want it, they're going to get it. But they better win. They better win because now what this contract does to you is this contract will end up being one of the worst signings in baseball history if they do not win a They'll few championships. They'll dismiss it, Andrew. It doesn't matter. They've had, well, they've they, had yeah, worse contracts. They, they've they had worse. The Stanton, the Stanton contract might be the worst. And you know what? It's not going to affect them. You know, they, 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 they have a ton of money. It doesn't matter to them. They can make mistakes. They're probably still paying Hideki Arabu, for God's sake. They can make mistakes and offset it. It doesn't matter to them. They don't care about making mistakes. They're going to want their guy. That's what they want. Well, because the difference between the Mets and the Yankees is the Yankees will outspend their mistakes. Yes. The, Met, the Mets will be using Yoenna Cespedes as an excuse or, or Bobby Bonilla as an excuse every single time that they're, they're, they're not in the market for a big-time free agent because they don't want to dish out that type of money. The Yankees will outspend that mistake. But all I'm saying is you also have to remember the Yankees, although they spend money in other areas, are also a cost-controlled team. Aaron Judge is making nothing, and he's a cornerstone of this team. Sanchez, who it looks like is going to be a guy that they want to bring back and lock up long-term, although he won't be demanding the type of money Judge will, he's not making that much money. Severino, they bought out his arbitration years, but it was a terrible deal for Severino, great deal for the Yankees, although after the injury, maybe it was a great deal for Severino, being that he missed all of last season pretty much. But, again, not making the type of money a number one starter would make in New York. He's number two now to get Garrett, after they bring Garrett Cole in, obviously. But there's a lot of guys on this team who are not making what they're worth at this point. So, for the most part, the Yankees are still a cost-controlled team. They're not going to be able to re-sign everybody. Now, I know that there's money coming off the books, right? They're no longer paying CC Sabathia. They're, they're going to try to get out of the remaining $19 million, I think it is, on Ellsbury's contract. And if they're able to do it, more power to them. But... You don't make a move for Garrett Cole to win more games in the regular season. You make a move for Garrett Cole to win in October and to win a World Series, which is what the Yankees business is all about, winning championships. And I already think that the Yankees are the favorite to come out of the American League just by Cole not being on Houston anymore. And not only did they get him out of Houston, but they bring him into New York. Then what is the win total in Vegas for, for the Yankees? Is it 101 and a half? Mean, listen, I, I'm not sure about that. I didn't even look at that. But they won 103 games last year. And they had pro they probably lost just as much manpower, well, whatever they called it, manpower games due to injury than anybody probably in, in the major leagues. And that division really is even weaker now. We know the Orioles are going to stink. Uh, you know, you, Toronto, uh, they're probably rebuilding a little bit they had 67 wins last year so maybe they get to 75 
Yeah, I think you, know, I think you, you probably Tampa, you see Tampa winning ninety six games again this year. That's gonna you know that might be a reach. You know, or even though Tampa sometimes does it with smoke and mirrors. Well, you look at Tampa and they're know, a seventy win team on paper. They somehow are always able to do it. I think that yeah. I think that Toronto is probably two years away, maybe three years away from from competing yeah. for a playoff spot. Yeah. Baltimore is a rebuild that doesn't look like it's ever going to be complete because they don't even have pieces in the no, minor the, leagues. Listen, the it. Yankees are going to dominate the division, Andrew. And you look at the Red Sox, they got all sorts of problems money-wise. They're paying three pitches on their staff right now, a total of $75 million coming into this season with Sale, Eovaldi, and Price. And Eovaldi might even wind up in a bullpen. And Sale had, some, had uh, what, his shoulder surgery, elbow surgery. So he's coming in already uh, as a question mark. They're looking to trade Mookie Betts. So they have some problems. Uh, you know, I, I could see them actually probably being a 75-win team themselves this year because I just think they have a ton of problems. Well, I, think they, Betts thing is, I, think, I think they probably win more than 75 just on default, just by the fact that they have to play those aforementioned teams in the division. Yeah, maybe so much the year. Orioles, but I think, you know what? I think when everything's going to be said and done, you're going to look at the Red Sox this year, and it's going to be a very, very lean year for them. I well, really I, do. I think I, I also I believe think though, that. if they're able if they're able to get some of this money moved around, right? And it looks like Betts is probably his tenure as a Red Sox is probably coming down to the to the last couple of months or maybe the last year. Well, you see, they're trying to they're trying to attach David Price to Mookie Betts. Well, good luck with that because David Price is not going to play on any other uniform ever. Nobody wants him. Nobody, I, nobody wanted him. That, that, why do you think the Red Sox were able to get him? No one else wanted him. Well, and they threw that you, stupid if, amount of money at him for no reason. He's not a good pitcher, if, David Price. If you, if you can take on that contract and get Mookie Betts and just give up some you know, mid-level prospects and maybe one almost major league-ready prospect, and I'm not saying you know your best prospect in your system, and I'm really specifically talking about the Dodgers here, who wouldn't give up Gavin Lux in a deal like that, but... You know, if you, if you can get somebody to take on Price's contract, you could get Mookie Betts on the cheap then. Yeah, but so the, that would but be the only way. But he doesn't have a lot of control left. No, he doesn't. But if you could somehow maybe guarantee that he'll sign an extension with you, it's possible, especially with the Dodgers. So it doesn't look like Mookie Betts will be staying in Boston. And all things being considered, they'll probably trade bets by the trading deadline sometime but in the I summer. D- I do think the Red Sox are in a really, really good spot, though. I think they're Why? in a really good spot because of who their new general manager is, who is who I wanted for the Mets job oh, when it opened yeah. up, Heim yeah, Bloom. Yeah, he Bloom, is the yeah. king of building a contender with yeah. little to no money. I mean, Tampa Bay is always at the at the basement of the league as far as payroll, and they always seem to feel the competitive team. Now they have him and... Him in Boston. It's going to take some time, though, Andrew. It's it's going to take time just because of the myriad of, of bad decisions they've made over the years. But if there's anybody, I don't think there's anybody else I'd I'd rather want to start a. And I don't think I wouldn't call it a rebuild, but maybe a retooling for a team that once some of this money comes off the books, they're gonna they're gonna want to go right back out there in those waters and spend again because they want to win a championship too. That's their business as well. But I I do think I think really good was probably pushing it, but I don't I don't think. The Red Sox are in as bad of a spot as, as a lot of people think. I, I think their their downfall, for lack of a better term, is a little exaggerated. I do think that Bloom is the right guy for the job, and I think you give it a few years and they'll be right back. Now I'm not going to I'm not well, saying a few that. years, yeah. So that's going to be a down. You're probably looking at a good three to five year period. They don't seem to have the prospects coming up the pipeline that they've had in the past. You know, you 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 have that the pitching staff right now is in the shambles, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, you have guys like Devers and Bogarts. Yeah, those two guys are good young players there. 
But uh, otherwise, you know, Jackie Bradley, you know, and I don't really want to get into the whole Red Sox thing, to tell you the truth. We're going off base a little bit. So, you know, just getting back to the Yankees now, you know, they're going to dominate the division. And they proved it last year with all the injuries. And this year, I think they come in and missing Hicks. Probably miss Hicks for the year. So, God, they'll probably go to center field there. And they'll probably make a trade for somebody somewhere along the lines in the summertime. I, I do think they're, they're stacked. They're I, absolutely stacked. I do think one thing with the Yankees, though, is I think that, and and it's really annoying because you know we're going to have to hear it from, from fans on talk radio. I'm just letting you know now. I mean, some Yankee fans will be smart enough to realize this, but others who, who might live in a fantasy land won't. You have to expect a market correction, okay? If you go into this season and think that Gio Urshel is going to hit over 330 again, you're out of your mind, okay? No, but they have Andujar coming back. Don't forget. You know, don't forget he's coming back. He's coming back after a year of not some, playing. He had some rookie. Yeah, yeah, I know, but you know what? Listen, if you think Mike Talkman's going to hit 300, you're mistaken. Well, we don't know that. You know, we can't, we can't assume that. But again, could you plug him in? Yeah, but don't forget. All right, so Tockman's not maybe not gonna hit three hundred. But now you got Stanton coming back. They missed he had seventy at bats the whole year. And Duhard had forty at bats the whole year. Did you see the video of, of Stanton that came out today? Yeah. Bench pressing bench Adriana pressing. Lima. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to be Giancarlo Stanton. See, it's an embarrassment of riches too, because yeah. because that, that Stanton move was a move that yeah. that that they did not need. I'm need making to make thirty five million dollars a year. I didn't play last year. Seventy at bats. And I'm bench pressing Adriana Lima. Good for you, Giancarlo. Yeah, he's doing he's doing everything except produce when he's in the lineup. Well, you know he's <laughs> another guy. You you could see maybe a little bit of the decline coming with him, especially a guy his size. You don't know hitting the weights. You could see maybe a little bit of a decline with him. So well, well one of the things with the Yankees is that they kind of revamped their whole entire training staff because it looked like a lot of those guys were were lifting to get big and not to yep. get in shape. You know, Judge looked a little bit bigger, and I mean, he's a huge guy to begin with, but he looked a little bigger and bulkier last season. I mean, Luke Voigt doesn't look like a baseball player. He looks like a bodybuilder. Stanton is the same way. And, you know, we saw all these guys just, you know, injury after injury after injury after injury. Guys were dropping like flies because, you know, a lot of of this bodybuilding mentality and the the bigger I get, the stronger I get. It's not always the case. But, you know, they revamped the whole entire staff. I think last year was a rude awakening. I wouldn't call it a rude awakening because they still won 100-plus games, but you know, I, I think it kind of opened their eyes to what they need to do to keep these guys on the field because at the end of the day, you look at the team they put out there last year that won 100-plus games. Could you imagine what would happen if these guys did not get hurt? That's why I said this year, don't be, scary. Su- don't be surprised. If, if that over and under on the Yankees is 101, the over is a lock because they're going to win 110 games unless something goes dramatically wrong. Again, especially in that division, they're going to win 110 games. And by all accounts, they should be in a World Series. You're right. There's no excuse. It's World Series a bust. But it's like that every year with the Yankees. You know, that's the difference between them and the Mets. With the Mets in September, it's, you know, let's play meaningful games. With the Yankees, we're going to win championships. I, th- I think, too, just to kind of clarify what I, what I alluded to before, I, I think you need to win because obviously you have a lot of guys on the team that are, like I said before, cost-controlled. They're in their prime or approaching their prime. You bring in Garrett Cole with all that money. I think they need to win in order for that Cole contract to be worth it. And if, there's, there's an if to that, if the money that they've given to Cole keeps them from bringing back 
other players that they need. So let's say a little bit down the road. If Andujar is able to come back from his injury and he looks like he's going to be a solid cornerstone for this team and they're not able to sign him for his market value because of the money they gave to Cole and they don't end up winning any championships as with Cole as a Yankee, then I think that that contract is not worth it. Listen, I think they're going to win. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I think they're going to win. I think they're the best team in baseball right now. And you're going to finally see them help healthy, hopefully, and they'll just get even better. And the Yankees know how to operate. They know how to do things. They know what they need at the trade deadline. You know, we've seen the Mets the last couple years during the trade deadline. What do they do? They make weird moves where you don't really know if we're in or if we're out or if we're just making this move for next season or if we're unloading money. What are we doing? Now, the Yankees say, okay, look, we need another bullpen arm. Let's get it. And they always get the better end of the deal. So they know what their needs are. They know how their team is constructed. They know exactly what they need to do. They're run properly from top to bottom, which is another big difference between the Mets and the Yankees. I think this is the year that they finally win. But down the line, I mean, what would you say, Rob? Would you say that one championship in Cole's tenure as a Yankee is enough for that contract to be worth it? If I, if what I said before is true, if they're unable to sign other guys that are that are mainstays on this team because of the money they devoted to Cole, is one is one championship in that nine-year contract uh, uh, worth? Again, they don't worry about the money. They don't worry about it. They don't worry about next year or two years when they ha- might have to pay Judge and Sanchez or any of these other young guys, Gliber Torres. They don't, and we haven't even mentioned Gliber Torres, 22 years old, the season that kid had. Right, how, but, how could I forget? You know, they don't worry about it. They're not worrying. All they worry about is today. That's it. They're not worried about who they got to pay. But, that, but that's that's malpractice, though. It's not malpractice. That's the way they've always practiced. Yeah, but they don't go over the luxury tax threshold. But you add a $35 million a year pitcher onto it, you're creeping up to that threshold where you're going to start getting rid of draft picks if you go over the money. And although Cashman is an in-the-moment type guy, he's not going to be giving up first-round picks because they're built to win championships now and in the future. Championships. I remember Brian Cashman loud and clear on the K-Show. When they, when they first started making moves and it first looked like they were they were a real contender and the baby bombers, as the phrase was coined, started coming up and contributing. And he said, a lot of these guys on the team and a lot of these prospects in the minor leagues, we're not going to give them away because we don't want to win a championship. We want to win championships. So if they only win a championship and they, they, they're going to have to sacrifice some of these guys, there's no way they're re-signing everybody. They can't. I mean, theoretically they can, but I just don't think that they're going to operate that way. I know that they're more, not eager, but I know that they're more open-minded to to spending money in free agency. I know how Steinbrenner, would, you know, Cashman approached him and said, hey, we need Cole, and Steinbrenner gave him the okay to go get him. They're more open-minded to spending money, but some of these guys have to go. There's no way they're going to be able to please everybody. And I think another point you have to make, too, is a lot of these guys— are, are Yankees, homegrown Yankees, up through the farm system Yankees. Cole was an outsider that they brought in and gave him $35 million a year. Now, if one of your homegrown Yankees, when when it comes time for him to get paid, and he doesn't get paid, then what type of a message does that send? I don't think I, I don't think it's, it's even a concern of this, to be honest with you. I don't, first of all, I don't, I don't think Sanchez is even on this team come next year. I think he's the one guy they're not going to pay, and I wouldn't pay him unless somehow, some you know, some way this year, all of a sudden he decides he's not going to be lazy. Because he, you look at him, he's a lazy player. You could see it. Yeah. I mean, listen, exactly. it's nice to have that catcher that hits 30 homers, 
but he's a 230 hitter. He, his defense is not that good. Yeah, he could throw runners out, but he's not good defensively either. I could see the guy that they move. You know, they're not going to worry about it. Again, they're only worried about winning a championship this year. They don't care what Stanton's contract is going to look look like in 2021, 22, 23. They're not going to worry about Cole's contract. Doesn't matter. They'll The Yankees will find a way. They'll figure out a way to remove money, however way they got to do it. They'll figure out a way. You know, we're not used to being Yankee fans because we're not Yankee fans. So that's the way the Yankee fan looks at it. That's the way the Yankee organization looks at it. I can't, you know, you got to give them credit. It kills me to say it, but you have to give them credit well, every it's... year. And they, de- you have to remember something. They develop players. Their players are fully developed. They come up from the minors to the majors, and these guys know how to play the game. And yeah, as much as you just say, well, they're a Yankee, they should be. It's a lot of pressure on being a Yankee to put that uniform on and produce. Absolutely. It's a lot of pressure. You're not. You're not playing in, in you know, in, in the farms of, of Iowa. You're playing in Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. So there's a lot of pressure on these young kids to produce. And when you see guys like Tarquin or Shella, yeah, you could say, oh, you, you, you could expect that season out of them again. Yeah, why not? Well, Urshela definitely not because Urshela is not a homegrown Yankee. Urshela is a utility no, he's, player. He's not. He came from the Cleveland Indians, and you could say he was a journeyman, but he's 27 years old. How much of a journeyman is he? Yeah, well, that's 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 what I'm saying. Is that I think it was well, just 28. A, he's going to be 28 this this year. I think it was just kind of a Cinderella thing because you know every button they pushed worked. Because what Gio Urshela is, I mean, journeyman is being nice. He he's he was an unwanted player who could not remain in the major leagues, is what he was, and he goes to the Yankees and ends up being a 330 hitter. Right, but he's still he's still young enough he gave them above average quality defense at third base well that's his one and strength it, it yeah. set me, listen his numbers dramatically went down in September you're gonna say maybe the league figured him out maybe so let's see how he bounces back but again okay a shell is hitting 220 come April uh, April 30th come into May all right no problem we got Andujar okay what's wrong with that the guy hit 50 doubles as a rookie so you, right. you have you have you have that 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 safety net there. So what so so what are, what are, what are we looking at as far as opening day? You think Urshela is you think if Andujar is healthy, he's the guy over Urshela, or you think you roll with last year's hot hand and you give Urshela the nod? Well, listen, if if Andujar comes out guns a blazing in spring training and is hitting the crap out of the ball all of March, Andujar will probably be a third baseman. In light of the fact that Urshela really didn't do much in September and pretty much the playoffs, I don't think he really had that great of a playoff either. But you know, you would give you would give it to Andujar to have to think based on his youth, his potential, his ceiling. I should say more than anything, his highest ceiling. And although you're going to lose defense on that end, you'll gain a big bat. So I would have to think that Andujar would be the guy, unless. Unless he's still not healthy with the shoulder. Who knows? I, I think... So it, not, it's not a bad problem to have. It's not. With no, us, I'm it's, not, it's I, a I difference between... Oh, well, what happens if Rosario... So, oh, yeah, well, we got Luis Guillaume. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> if I got to hear the words Luis Guillaume or the name Luis Guillaume anymore, I, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Isn't it nice as a fan It just to know... I mean, really, I've, I've gone through the Eric Campbells, 
the top, and I, I can't go on this rant. I, I'm trying. I'm positive. let it out. Let it positive. out. No, let it no. out. Let it out. Come I'm on. Staying in my positive. Come on. Theme. No, you're not above positive this. theme. Let it flow. Uh, no, I am above this. Uh, well, I'm just gonna egg you on Posi- until you let it go. Positivity. I can't bring up the Eric Campbells and the Ty Kellys of the world anymore. Ty Kelly, that's the other name you're anymore. going for. Ty Kelly. No more. It's not gonna happen. No, uh, Josh Tolles. No, Josh Satin. Josh Satin. No, mm, that's bum. another one. But, who, who, who is so the, it, it's uh, a it's a nice problem to have for the Yankees. So, all right, so Shell sucks. All right, don't worry about it. We'll plug in Anduha. All right, so you know Stanton got off to a bad start. All right, you know what? We'll give Talkman a few at bats. Boom, boom, boom. And you know who is the forgotten guy in all this? Lemayhew. Well, Lemayhew is one. Had a tremendous but, but he's year. but he's you know one one of their starters most likely. Which I that's another thing I don't understand. But I'll get to that in a minute. We didn't I, we, like I said we really never touched on Gleyber Torres. Yeah, Gleyber I mentioned Torres, it yeah. once. The kids. But the forgotten the forgotten man in all this, and, and for the right or wrong reasons, whatever side you lean towards, is Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier is a guy who's a really good player. Could potentially be a part of the Yankees' future if he gets his head screwed on straight. If not, he's a very, very valuable asset that they can use to acquire another arm or whatever direction they want to go. But Frazier, Frazier is a really, really good player. He has to work on his defense, and his head, you know, his head seems to not be screwed on all the way because, you know, he missed the memo on how to deal with the New York media, obviously. But Frazier's a he's a really, really good bat. I, I love Frazier's bat. I wouldn't trust him. If if you if you act like that playing for the New York Yankees, knowing that the standard what the standards are to be a New York Yankee, if you're acting like that, what do you, how are you gonna act if you're in Milwaukee or one of these other smaller market cities? He'll probably be even worse. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think Clint Frazier is all that impressive to me. I, I've seen the guy play. There's nothing that stands out to me. He's terrible defensively, like you said. He's got to work on his defense in the outfield. But I don't think his back plays that big to where you got to have Clint Frazier to the point where you're going to get something of significance in a trade for him. I don't think so. And the Yankees pretty much blockballed him last year after some of the incidents with him. He had a big mouth. He was a little too big for his own britches. And you know what? They sent him down. He had I, some at-bats, but... You, so you don't think he'd be that valuable of an asset in a trade? No. Really? Not unless you package him with somebody else. Not right now, unless he builds up his value again. Well, you know, I'm sure he will build up his value in, again. A lot of these guys coming with all these accolades in the minor leagues, Andrew coming up through the minors, oh, his bat speed. That's all I heard with Clint Frazier. But, you, but, you, but, but you saw it, though. You saw yeah, his bat. You saw bat. some glimpses you of s- it. You saw his bat. From the second he came up, you could tell he's a big league hitter. The defense is another story. But like you said before, I mean the Yankees Defense just have was an, horrendous. the Yankees just have an embarrassment of riches at every position that there's really not much room for them unless a there's an injury to somebody else, b there's a market correction in terms of one of those guys who produced way over their head last year or so we thought way over their head last year, or three you're going to have to cut bait and get rid of them. But if I think if you get rid of them, I, I think he's a valuable asset. I really do. I, I don't think he's I don't think he is right now. I he's think a bona fide to, major league bat. You can't I, deny that. I don't know yet. I haven't seen enough of it yet. I, I, I'm not going to go by what the kid did in the minors. At all. you know, it, it's a different game when you're up in in the majors. It's a big boy game at that point. But he's handled himself well every time he's come up, though. If he handled himself that well, you think the Yankees wouldn't have used him more? I understand they had some problems with him, you know, with his attitude. I get it, but the Yankees could have used him. They were using the Mike Fords and the Mike Talkmans of the world. And again, Talkman, yeah, he gave you some some good at bats. 
He played well in the field, and Hicks was hurt out in center. You had Gardner there, but they could have used Clint Frazier a little bit more. With all the injuries that they had to Judge and Stanton and Hicks at times, they could have used them a little bit more. I, again, the jury's out on that kid. I, I, I'm not believing it yet. I got to see more of him before he makes me any sort of a believer. And Listen, maybe there's one team out there that really, really uh, thinks he has a high ceiling. It's possible, but again, you gotta remember too, you're you not got, getting nothing of significance for him right now. But you got to remember too, he he's been through a lot with the concussion problems that he had too. He had a he had he a, a long battle ahead of him right. to get, re- get get back from that. But last you're year, right. you know, 2019, he plays in 69 games. He hits 267, knocked out 12 home runs as a part time player. I think he's one of those guys who are just like Dom Smith. I think. Oh boy. And, and although we saw Dom Smith do well in a limited role last season, just coming off the bench and pinch hitting for the Mets. I think he can only get better with a consistent amount of reps. And I think it's the same way with Clint Frazier. I mean, you give him a full-time role either on this team, not saying it has to be with this team, but you give him a full-time role somewhere, I think he could really blossom into a hitter. And if he's at 267, you got to remember too, Rob, baseball has shifted. You give me 260, 25 home runs or 25 to 30 home runs, all 32 teams in the MLB are going to be knocking down your door to try to get you because that's the mold of who people want nowadays. They don't, you don't need the speedy leadoff guy. You don't need the guy who hits the ball on the ground to the right side with runners in scoring position. Every MLB team wants a lineup full of nine guys who can hit 260 and knock out 25 home runs. It's going to be a change, though, because that ball is not going to be juiced this year. I guarantee you that ball will not be juiced. You're going to see numbers come down to the point where they're going to start looking at these contact hitters and these guys that create that can create some runs on the base paths with their legs. Because there's going to be a little bit of a market correction due to this baseball. So these guys that had these 50 homer seasons, and yeah, yeah, you see guys like Alonzo, these guys, they're all going to hit their 30 to 40 homers. But some of these other guys that were knocking balls out of the park that didn't, you know, deserve those sort of numbers, there's going to be a little bit of market correction. So you mean Brett Gardner's not going to hit 25 home runs no, this year? No, he's not. I, <laughs> and I, I would almost, I'd almost bet that Brett Gardner's not going to hit more than 15 homers this year. So, but... That being said, we talked about the Yankees. My boy Sweeney was texting me all week. You know, I understand you guys are Mets fans. He asked me if you were an angry Mets fan. He goes, is your friend Andrew, just like you, a Yankee hater and, a, and an angry Mets fan? No, I said, no, no, no. That's, that's most of us Mets fans. I'm not, a, I'm, not an ang- I'm not an angry Mets fan. I am not a Yankee hater whatsoever. I was rooting for them really hard last year. I root for the Yankees when they get in the playoffs as long as the Mets aren't in it. And I could devote some attention to it. I really have no hatred for Yankees. It's it's a good, I wouldn't even say a good portion because I don't want to label everybody because I've obviously haven't met everybody, haven't socialized with everybody. But it's it's a um a segment of the Yankees fan base, which makes the team oh. a little bit unlikable. Unbearable, right? Unbearable, right? And I got a myriad. I got a majority of the of the people that I know are Yankee fans, and they're all the same. They're all the same. Yeah, it's there, their there's, world. there's a good amount we of people I know that are like that blah, too. Blah blah blah. Oh, God. I do. The Yankee fa- see, this is the thing. And if we lose some podcast listeners here, I really don't care. If you're the type of Yankee fan who, when in doubt, say you have 27 rings, then you I don't like you. You can get lost. Yeah, I mean, enough with, the, with how many rings you have. That's that's my one thing. If you're one of those, then we wouldn't get along. And I guess I could say. I guess you could refer to me as a Yankee hater, but I'm not a Yankee hater whatsoever. I do enjoy the Yankees when when the Mets aren't around. So when October comes and the Mets are teeing off at, uh, Jeff McNeil is teeing off at Beth Page Black while 
Garrett Cole's getting a set, getting set to pitch in Game One of the ALDS in the Bronx. Then I then I can root for the Yankees. It's but torture. you're shaking you're shaking your head at me. You don't agree torture. whatsoever. I get tortured by Yankee fans. It's torture. But you were just preaching positivity. I How have you let to. That I'm get doing a podcast. Skin? I got to be a professional here. You think you think I like this? This pains me. It it's like sitting on a it. bed of nails right now. <laughs> That's what it's like. But I have to, you know, let, you have to give the Yankees credit. I, I'd be a fool not to. I can't just say, oh, they suck. You know what yeah, I do? You know what I do? Like that. If I get in, if I get into a conversation with a Yankees fan, and it becomes abundantly clear right off the bat that they're one of the twenty-seven rings people, or you know, the, the it's the Yankees world and we're living in it. They're one of those people. I know that they're not knowledgeable. They're not as knowledgeable as me. My brain holds more intelligence than theirs does. So I just, yeah, laugh it off and joke's on them. They, they can live in mamby-pamby land all they want. And, you know, everything Mamby, is also... Mamby-pamby. I would have never, ever thought that mamby-pamby would ever make it to any podcast. Well, there's a first time for everything. Wow. See, okay. we gotta we gotta canvas the charts now. I'm sure Mamby Pamby has been used once or once or twice. All right, so let's forget about this Mamby Pamby. I want to get into a little bit with uh, our New York Rangers. Yes, yes, there is actually their, uh, actually their, some hockey on this podcast yes, too. It's ended you know their what? break on a on a two game losing streak. This dopey ten day hiatus. Listen, memo to all New York sports teams. Okay, you can you can get your airtime on the podcast once the Mets stop creating. Uh, uh, Creating bad headlines for themselves. You can get in on the podcast, too. We can mention yeah, you as well. Just, all it takes is a little incompetence. Little but, you incompetence. know, with the Rangers, they, you know, they ended the break with, with, with two bad losses. One, no, you, no, 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 no. Don't call it a bad loss. A disgusting, absolutely disgusting loss to Columbus Yeah, that on was Sunday. a tough one. I mean, they could have at least got a point out of that. That was a bad loss. And then, you know, losing to the Islanders, were we going to beat them three straight? Probably not. It's very difficult to play a team three times in one week and beat them three times. So the Rangers showed up late, a couple of late goals in the third period just to make it a game. But, uh, you know, they're not really in playoff contention. I don't believe they're a playoff team. No, they're a couple pieces away. They're, they're a couple, couple pieces, pieces away. away. They got some decisions they have to make now. They're, now they're, they're going to go into, into seller mode at the trading deadline. They were on the borderline. Before they lost, if they would have won these last two games, they would have been a good, they would have been in a good position to to make a run at a playoff spot, which might have changed their mentality as to whether they're going to be buyer or seller. So now they're going to make decisions on guys like Kreider and Strom and D'Angelo and Gorgiev and and, and I hate to say it, but Henrik Lundqvist, who everybody's crying about. So they're going to have some decisions. Now there's to there's, make here. there's probably some people out there that are going to think. Well, why would you hate to say Henrik Lundqvist? Why don't you explain to some of the listeners out there who might not know you personally why it pains you to say that? That's my guy. He's my guy. I got a tattoo of Henrik Lundqvist on my shoulder. You do? Oh, yes. That's my guy. I love that guy. And I, I, I have friends now that are destroying Henrik Lundqvist. Let him retire. He needs to do an Eli Manning, blah, blah, blah. I, I understand He's 37, 38 years old now. But be careful what you wish for with these young goalies. Be careful. I'm not saying Henrik Lundqvist is the same goaltender that he's been in the past. He's not. We all understand that. Father Time has caught up with him a little bit. 
but be careful what you wish for with, with Gorgiev and Shashkarin. Just be careful. Yeah, I, I want to see these goalies, young goalies, get a chance. I understand. But this was the same group of people and Ranger fans that were crying how we should keep Cam Talbot over Henrik Lundqvist. Well, and I when never Cam Talbot that. left, he sucked. I never he still sucks. That one. And Antti Ranta, another one. You know, everybody roots for the backup goalie. They all root for the backup quarterback. I understand. But be careful what you wish for. Henrik Lundqvist carried this organization his entire career. And he carried them for seasons. For seasons. The Rangers went as far as Henrik exactly. Lundqvist went. And I understand it never culminated into a Stanley Cup. I understand. But it takes 20 guys to win that Stanley Cup. And I, I, I understand that it's the goaltender that it gets hot. And blah, 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 blah. I understand. But this guy was playing 70 games a season for us. And then every single game in the playoffs, standing on his head. And I'll go back to what I've, I've told other Ranger fans before. Name me the Hall of Fame player he has played with in their prime. His entire career with the Rangers. You want I'll give you a Yaga? I'll give you a Yaga. How's that? I'm not going to give you St. Louis. He was 38 years old. What about Marion Gabrick? Marion Gabrick, yeah. So, so give me that. Give me that. Let, let me let, mention the names. He's played with good players. Never great. He was the great player. Understand that. You want him gone? Fine. Fine. He'll be gone. I under, he's not going to carry us the way he did anymore. But don't go destroying the guy like he, like he did nothing for this organization. Remember what he's done before you just go spitting on him. Well, I, I think and he needs to be here because if if every and and listen, Georgiev has played well. Don't get me wrong, but his goals against since December twelfth is under nine hundred. Okay, it's under that. His save percentage, I should say, and his goals against is over three, and he plays good in spurts. Can he carry us for a seventy-game season? That's what I want to know. Can Sheskarin? I I don't know that. I think Sheskarin has. A hell of a lot more potential than Georgiev. But he's only played he three does. games. But Lundqvist needs games. to be here for Sheskarin. Let him learn under Lundqvist. Let him learn the professional way to go about his business. Let him learn that. Georgiev can go. You can't have both young goalies. So Henrik Lundqvist needs to stay. Deal with it for one more year, Ranger fans. And then he's off the books. Deal with it. He'll be off the books. He'll be out of your hair for all the, all the Henrik Lundqvist haters right now. He'll be off the books. Don't yeah. worry about it. And then you know what? In two years from now, it's going to be like Patrick Ewing and Phil Simms and some of the other great New Yorkers that never were appreciated. You're going to miss him when he's gone. Okay? You're going to miss him when he's gone. I think you're seeing the same thing now with, with Eli Manning. And it's probably not going to sink into a lot of Giants fans yet. And obviously, Eli is going to be announcing his retirement formally at a press conference tomorrow. But, and Eli had more success, and I put I put success in quotation marks because like you said before none of Lundqvist's performances and, and Rangers performances culminated into a Stanley Cup victory Eli Manning's years in, with the Giants did they won two championships but I think fans are so quick and you hit the nail on the head with fans are so quick to, to root for the backup quarterback or root for the rookie or root for the underdog and a lot of Giants fans that I hear on talk radio are doing the same thing and let's be honest okay all we saw out of Daniel Jones was was decent quarterback play. We didn't see anything else from Daniel Jones, but yet fans are so quick to get rid of Eli. And we're seeing a lot of the same with Ranger fans. Okay, Igor Shesterkin plays two games, wins them both. 
Georgiev plays a couple games where he has a shutout and he has, you know, only gives up one goal in a second game. And now all of a sudden it's like, all right, Henrik, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And I and I will never, I'll never understand it. And I kind of caught myself with that as a Steelers fan because I, for one, watched a lot of college football, especially when I was away at school because my roommate Ryan, big Penn State football fan, and he got me into college football big time. And I watched him all season long and I said it. And I'm still not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to say that I said this. I was telling everybody before the 2018 NFL draft, everybody, I said, you watch. I said, Mason Rudolph is the best quarterback in this draft class, and it's not even close. Not even close. And what happens, he ends up getting drafted by the Steelers. So I'm like, all right, I'm all in on this kid. All in. And then Ben goes down with the injury this year, Mason steps in. And I started to be in that mind frame of, okay, this might be the end for Big Ben. Rudolph's going to come in, he's going to take the reins, and here we go. And quickly, very, very quickly, I realized this is not the way to go. I miss Ben. I miss Ben terribly. Missed him all season. Can't wait for him to come back next season. Hope he's able to come back and do more of the same as he's been doing for his entire career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, look. But as fans, you need to you need to pump the brakes. And it, the saying is true. You don't know a good thing until it's gone. Because what happens, Rob? What happens, and goaltenders are hit or miss. They really are. What happens if Shesterkin doesn't end up panning out? What happens if Daniel Jones never blossoms into a franchise quarterback? What happens? You're going to be hoping on your knees, praying every night that you get a quarterback that was as good as Eli Manning or a goalie that was as good as Henrik Lundqvist. They don't grow on trees. It's tough to find them. There's a reason why there's teams in the NFL who have been going through a quarterback carousel for 25 years. It's tough to find that type of talent. And when you have it, enjoy it. Don't turn on them. I know we live in New York and everything is it's championship or go scratch your rear end. I get it. But but don't wish for these guys to get out so quickly. Enjoy the time you have. Appreciate them for their greatness. I know Hank never won a Stanley Cup, but he's great. He was great his entire career. He's a legend in this town. A l- absolute legend. And yeah. fans have turned on him so quick, it's unfortunate to see. And that's my point. My point is, I understand he doesn't deserve to play every single game right now. He's at the twilight of his career. I understand that. But the level of disrespect that I read on blogs and hear is sickening. Well, let me let me what just, this guy's done for this organization. Let me just interject real quick. Hockey, this is why hockey needs more coverage. Because blogs are horrendous. Let me just well, put that I don't, out there. I don't mean blogs. I mean like the, the, the you know the fan boards. I go on some of the fan boards. They just read fans' opinions and they talk about the game, different players, and it's it's basically just throw them out. Just get rid of them. Let them go. Who cares? You don't you don't treat your star players like that. You just don't. Now, admittingly, I was an Eli Manning basher the last three years. Because I couldn't take any more of it. And when you look at Eli Manning's career, and I know you spoke about Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger's career, with the exception of the fact that Eli won the one more Super Bowl, Roethlisberger's career was far and away better than Eli's. Well, they both have two. In the regular season. They both got oh, two, two Super Bowls. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, the, the, first, the first one that Roethlisberger right. won, he played horribly he in the Super Bowl. He was Eli terrible. Manning was very good he in was both terrible. games. Yeah. Right, correct. But my point is, Eli's only won playoff games in the two seasons that he had those magical runs for the Super Bowls. He's had a lot of empty seasons, Eli. 
And he's had some bad seasons. Now, the last few years, you blame the offensive line. There's no running game. There are receivers. There was always excuses for Eli. And Eli made a ton of mistakes. And then there were the last couple of years, you see, he didn't want to get hit. He'd go down like there was 10 guys around him. And there was a ghost. And he just fall to the ground. So you've seen his play just fall, fall down. If, if you want to blame anybody, I think you have to blame the Giants front office for no, still thinking. No, Eli still, didn't. I'm sorry. Listen. But, but no, but no, but they put that but they put together a team. They put together a team thinking Eli was still in the prime of his career and he wasn't. That, well, that's because that's they kept on believing on that part. just get us into the playoffs and Eli'll, you know, bring us his magic like he did in those in those two Super Bowl runs. He can't think like that. That's why they deserve I'm not saying you take you don't give Eli any blame because obviously he you, you blame him. He doesn't play well, he deserves some of the blame, but I think the front office putting this team in the position that they were in thinking that they could still squeeze championship caliber seasons out of Eli Manning. I'm sorry, it was just moronic. Well, you knew it, it was. It was, but that's I go back to, you know, how many how much do you have to pay a price for a guy winning a championship? Or two for you. Back in the day, and I know you, you know, you probably weren't even born at that point. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish won championships for the Celtics. Great teams. Great Hall of Fame players. And they let them stay there for as long as they wanted to. And what they did was it set back the Celtics for 20-something years. Right. Where they were terrible. You often they, see that. They you were that terrible. So we paid a price for Eli Manning winning his two Super Bowls. It basically dictated how long he would stay and play here forever. And I'm sorry, you cannot do that. Again, Eli wasn't the greatest regular season quarterback. He's had a lot of lean years. He has. And the fact that he's made more money than any NFL player in history, well, that's saying thank you to him. In my opinion, he stayed about a year or two too long. But they had to give him that. They felt like they owed that to him. I... I love what he did for this organization. Eli was a professional. He won his two Super Bowls. He was a competitor. He played every single game. Never missed a game due to due to injury. I give him all the credit in the world for that. And you have to thank him. He was a true pro. So thank you, Eli. You deserve retirement. I'm glad you're going out healthy. And let's see, you know, where the next phase of his life take a life takes him. But now, as, for, as for Henrik Lundqvist, it's a different story. So I have I have two questions for you as we get ready to to wrap up episode three. One Giants related because we kind of got into the Giants too there, and one about the Rangers. Take your pick. Which one you want? Give me the Giant one first. Giant one first. Okay. As far as Eli Manning is concerned, do you envision any sort of scenario in which he takes? a starting job somewhere else due to an injury. Now, let's say, for instance... Uh, you mean he comes out of retirement? Yeah, like, let's... I'm just thinking of a contending team, for argument's sake. Let's just say the Vikings, right? Kirk Cousins goes down with a knee injury during the preseason. He's out for the entire year. They bring... They want to bring in Eli. Or or uh, or a team like Denver, right? Denver, Drew Locke goes down. Uh, Shermer is there. He wants to bring in Eli because he's familiar with him. You'd think he takes a job on a, on a contending team as a starter. And I'm not saying mid-season. I'm saying, you know. It can't be mid-season. You have to like learn the whole six. offensive system. Right. It's I'm very, saying very like difficult. preseason. Preseason or training camp, a quarterback goes down. They knock on Eli's door and say, hey, you want to start the 2020 season for us? Do you think he, you think he does I don't think it? he does. I think his thing was he wanted to retire a giant. I don't think he does. 
Because if that's if that's the case, then he wouldn't have of announced his retirement this early. He would have waited. Maybe waited. So he announced it here in January. So no, I don't I don't think he would. I, I think once he made up his mind he wanted to retire a giant, that's what he was gonna do. So regardless of you know, an injury somewhere in 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 uh, training camp to one of these teams, a uh, contending team. I don't think he would do it. In my yeah. opinion. Next, know, it's it's tough. It's tough to say. I don't I, think I he would do. do it. I think he he said you know he he I think he mentioned if I remember reading I think he mentioned something about um about wanting to you know couldn't envision himself being in in another uniform and he's seen Montana do it when he went to Kansas City seen his own brother do it. Going to going to Denver. Now, now, wait a second. What time is this Giants press conference tomorrow? 11 o'clock. Okay. All right. Okay. Because the, the Mets made their hiring of Luis Rojas official tonight. They posted mm-hmm. it on Twitter. Yes. And said he's going to be introduced at a 3 o'clock press conference tomorrow. Yeah, I wasn't they're, gonna, sure they're, not gonna, they're not going to outshine. They, they what, probably that, they knew better. Be, wouldn't that be typical? Yeah, Mets, no. Though? There's oh, my no God. Way. Wouldn't that be typical? There's no, they'd get destroyed if they did that. Okay, there's so no, that's 3 o'clock, so Eli's is at yeah, 11 o'clock. I don't think right. they'd be. And not even them could be that stupid. But you know, I, I can't put it past them. I'm What's the Ranger question? Well, well, before I get to that, oh. I just wanted to throw in there that, I, I mean, I'm 22, so I've never retired from anything before, so I don't know how it feels. But I think maybe there's a little bit more clarity on his situation once training camp starts. Because once training camp starts and you're not reporting for the first time ever— and you see everybody else, that all your former players and everybody you've talked to throughout your career getting ready to go through the motions again and get ready to get in that routine and you're not a part of it, you might start to miss it a little bit and you might have more of a consideration for an opening if it ends up arising. Yeah, I don't think so with Eli, though. Again, if it was, then I don't think he would have announced his retirement this soon. He would have waited then maybe until around well, spring tra- well, you gotta, uh, a training camp. Think about it, though. I mean, he probably talked to his agent. His agent might have called around. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Like, maybe he re- announced it this early because he really didn't think that there was any interest at Here's all. Here's the problem with Eli Manning. Everything has to be perfect around him. He's not at that level. It has to be a great offensive line with a great running game, some very good receivers. And let's face it, Eli's not the most accurate quarterback. He never was. Right. He was accurate in the playoffs. When he needed to be, yeah, when it mattered, yeah. when it mattered, it, it it was um it was amazing to me how that guy was able to turn it on. Even even a couple of years ago, the playoff game in Green Bay, he was on fire in that first quarter. If not for the great Odell Beckham dropping a first down uh, pass and then a touchdown pass in that first quarter, Eli, you could see, came out guns blazing. You've seen it. All of a sudden, it's like another level this guy goes to. Right. So. All right, I'll move on to my Rangers question now. Go ahead. It just... Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, it's obviously going to be... No, it's not going to be about Lundqvist. This is just a... Because re- we brought up the Rangers, and I had this one in the vault that I wanted to ask you, but uh, we you know, we kind of got caught up a little bit on Lundqvist, and, and I just wanted to get back to it. Just going to be a true or false question. Now, obviously, the Rangers are... You know, they're going through this rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. It looks like they're still a little bit away from being a contender that we hoped they would be again. True or false... David Quinn is the coach for the Rangers. Through through throughout this entire rebuild and into contention, David Quinn is the is the right coach. I think he gets he gets halfway to next season. They they have to show that they're a playoff team next season. 
and if not by January, February, if there's still a 500 team and they're not showing that progress, then no, he's he's not going to be the coach. He's done a great job of developing some of these young players, which is all well and good. But next year is the year now where you're almost your fourth year into your rebuild where you need to start seeing some progress. And I'm not just saying progress of just winning a couple of more games. I'm saying you need to make the playoffs. Right. Period. Stop. Now, you were hopeful they were going to do that this year, but if if they didn't, it was okay. I think that... I think that little bit of leniency where you say it's okay disappears going into next season. Listen, one thing I see about that team is they compete. For the last, I'd have to say now the last month, they are competing their asses off every single No matter who they play. No matter who they play, it's an enjoyable game game to watch. I'm seeing that progress. You know, Capo Caco, he's only 19. Young guys. D'Angelo is starting to come into his own. Philip Heedle coming into his own. So you're starting to see this, you know, come around now a little bit. You still need some veteran presence there. I mean, I, I mean Kreider is an interesting scenario there because I, I... I have a little bit of a hot take coming. Go ahead. And I, I know, like you said, he's 19 and it's early. I just, I just don't think that Kako is that good. I think he is. I don't at all. I, I, th- I think he's learning the game. You know, again, it's a, ma- it's a matter of being amongst men now. It's a, it's a different game, the NHL. So but he, he had that experience playing against men. He, he did, but not the NHL. It, he, he did, but not, not the NHL. Uh, not in the NHL. I, I think he, he's learning. You know, you have to learn. The entire ice, not just making great plays with the puck. You got to learn defensive responsibilities first and foremost. That's the first thing they want a young player to do. When you see a young player benched, 99% of the times it's because he lost his defensive responsibility, whether it be in his zone, outside of his zone. He, he missed the check. He didn't fight for the puck hard enough. He lost the puck battle along the boards. That's when they start getting benched. And they need to show that on every single shift in every single NHL game throughout the season. That's the way it is in the NHL. There's no letting up. There's not enough. There's, it's so difficult now with the NHL, with these with this point system, which I hate, where, where teams are, there's three-point games almost every other game is a three-point game. You know, the difference between winning and losing is competing on every single shift. You cannot take a shift off. And that's something, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's still, mentally, he's still 19. He has all the talent in the world. So I think he'll come into his own. You you got to give a kid like that two, three years before. You know, you're not going to get a, he's not a generational type talent like Crosby was or Mario Lemieux or Gretzky or Connor McDavid. But this kid's going to get better and better. I I could see it in that kid. I have no problem. And the same thing with Cheskar. And I I feel the same thing with the goaltender. This kid's going to be very, very good. And that's why I need Lundqvist to stick around one more year. I'd love to see the kid learn under him. Yep. Um, You would... I'm going to try to dig it up on my computer. I had to write an op-ed piece for one of my classes a few years back. And I forget the exact rules and what the rubric was. But I wrote like a a four to six-page paper on how the point system in the NHL needs to be revamped and changed. 
Wrote a whole paper on it. You would enjoy it. I'm going to try to dig it up. It's probably on my laptop hidden somewhere. I got to go through old files and old documents to try to find it. But, And I remember getting a really good grade on the paper. I remember because it's, to this day, my favorite professor taught that class. Uh, Dr. Well, Dr. Mudrick at York that. College, wanna, Pennsylvania. They want to create parity. You know, it's 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 almost a gimmick, the three-on-three. It's fun. It's exciting. But then you go into the shootout. It's a video and, game. And you got a if you want to do that, play a video game. Play NHL right. 20. It's it's on sale on the Xbox Marketplace right now. Forty nine ninety nine. You can buy it. You can play the shootout on there. To me, to me, no, I no just I it. just go back to the old school way. Five minute overtime. Ties a tie. If you win the game, you win the game. It's to me, it's two points a bust. Yeah. If you tie, it's one point each. Period. I think That's that it. I think that Quinn is the right. I, I do think that Quinn is the right guy. I only he's have, done a he's done a great job. He ha, he has done a good developing job. Developing my one issue, and it's funny too because this has been it's been getting. Uh, I wouldn't say it's gone viral, but it was getting. And wait, a lot I just got to put this on record because I did text a couple of friends of mine in the beginning of the year when the Rangers really were not playing well, and I wasn't seeing progress, and it was probably going into November where I said I think it's time for a coaching change because I just felt like. There were some problems where I wasn't seeing, you know, progress. But once they lost that Calgary game, there's something switched in them right after that. It, it, they were concentrating more on the defensive zone, which I love to see. So I started to see that progress that I wanted to see. And I'm starting to see the compete level each and every night from them now over the last, like I said, over the past month. So one, th- one thing that it, it actually it got a lot of play on social media was when Larry David appeared on the K show. And he said a little tidbit about the Rangers because Don LaGreca was in studio and obviously he does all his work with the Rangers on the radio. But <laughs> it's funny because you think of Larry David, you want to laugh from Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld, whatever. But what he said was right on the money when he made the point about, I believe it was the Edmonton game where Kako took the high sticking penalty and Quinn took him out of the game and benched him. And Larry David said something, and it was and people laughed. It was funny, but I actually I 100% agree with them. And he benched Kako for the rest of the game for taking the dumb penalty. And you know, I, I really don't think that's the that works because I mean he, the kid obviously knows he took a bad penalty. He had already scored two goals in the game. Again, you need you, you're, at that point you're down by a goal. You need the offensive firepower. I'm not saying that he's a you know a sharpshooter by any stretch, and he's not a prolific scorer at this stage in his NHL career. But you got a guy who already has scored two goals on the night. I think, in my opinion, I think that was a bad that was a bad move. But for the most part, I mean, you're bringing in a lot of new, young kids. This is a revitalized young group right. of Rangers, a young core group of players too. And you got Quinn, who came over from college. I thought that he was the perfect leader, mentor, and coach. To these young kids. And you know, again, I know we live in the New York market. And for the most part, everybody has the mentality of championship or bust. But you, you have to recalibrate your expectations according to personnel. And, and just accept the Rangers team for what it is. It's a team that's a little bit away. It's not there yet. But you're at least, like you said, Rob, you're at least seeing the progress. And these games are enjoyable. You know, you see the Knicks who are in quote-unquote rebuild even, mode. We, we, they can't they, even go on our podcast yet. <laughs> Please. We, we can't we can't permeate that stench at Madison oh, Square what Garden. Where, where did positive guy go? Well, you're not positive with the Knicks. They suck. <laughs> you, there's no positivity with them until until they learn. And let, you know what? I can't get on the Knicks because the Knicks just suck. 
And you know they got a bunch of guys on a one-year contract. There's nothing to talk about with them. Let it out. They're, they're, nobody wants to come here as a free agent. The Mecca. All I hear is the Mecca. They haven't won a championship in 46 freaking years. That can't be a Mecca, the Garden. You know what everybody does? Kobe Bryant and, and LeBron James, they love to come here and stick it up the, and up the Knicks' rear ends and score 60 on them. That's why it's the Mecca. It's the Mecca to these guys. They love to come to the Garden and stick it up the Knicks' you-know-whats. That's what they love to do. That's why it's the Mecca. It's not the Mecca because the Knicks are playing great. They can't win a they can't win a playoff series. They can't make the playoffs. They can't win twenty five games. They suck. They suck. The the best moments for the Knicks were the past few years was Jeremy Lin. That was it. That was it. So until they until they start making the they're gonna have to build through the draft the Knicks. That's the only way they're gonna do it because next year there's no big free agents coming out. I think the Giannis Santuna Cupo comes out in a couple of years or if it's next after next year he comes out. He, and who knows if he's even going to come here. He probably won't. Nobody comes here. Nobody wants to play here. And it's probably due to the owner, James Dolan, I'd have to think. so. But I just want to make a point going back because i got to get away from the Knicks because they're not worth talking about. <laughs> just on that Kako thing with, with Larry David, you know, you, the way everybody's got to look at it is he's in charge of developing these young kids. Now, at that point, it was a close game. He takes a high stick... A, an undisciplined high sticking call because it was undisciplined. What, what he's trying to say, David Quinn is, Hey, in a, you, you can't be that irresponsible to take these types of penalties and these kinds of games because you could cost your team this game. And now I'm going to bench you. And now you had two goals in this game. And now it's really costing us because I got to bench you for undisciplined play. That's part of the development of these young kids. So he's kind of stuck in the middle of wanting to develop these players and still try and win. It's it's a tough, it's a tough, you know, tough way to sled, but But is but is is that development or is that just solidifying yourself as a disciplinarian? No, that's development. Uh, that's a hundred percent development. But he knows he took the penalty. He, he knows he took a bad penalty, though. It, but they ended up losing the game. Well, you know what? The next time he's gonna think about taking an undisciplined penalty like that. It could be, you know, it's a lazy penalty. And that's what that's what he's in charge of doing, David Quinn. It's developing these guys. You know what? Two years down the road, it's going to pay off. It might not today, tomorrow, the next day, but a year or two down the line, it's going to pay off. That's how you teach these young kids discipline. I don't think it has anything to do with wanting to, you know, uh, rule with an eye in hand. No, he's in charge of developing these kids. To make them the best possible players he can make them, and let's hope it it you know it pays off in the long run. So, so episode three was we covered a lot. It was like none other. I mean episode we a lot. episode one and episode two were like smooth little drives. Yeah. This one we went on a drive. We hit a speed bump. We drove through the woods. We flipped. We did a three sixty and somehow landed back on the tracks and and we're good yeah, to go. That's a, that's a great way to put it. I, I mean you went on a myself. you went on two little mini rants. Yeah, you it was my turn. It was rants. my turn to rant do? on episode two. You ranted tonight, but the, what was the one thing you, you said you weren't going to get into it and you stopped yourself, but you couldn't resist with the Knicks. What was the first thing I tried to get you going and I couldn't quite get you to that God, point? They just suck. I mean, it's terrible to watch. As a you know, I I, I loved watching. The, the Knicks back in the 80s, the, the 90s especially, there were wars that they had with the paces and the heat. And now it's like, well, first of all, the NBA stinks anyway. The ratings are, are plummeting. 
you know, you, you don't. Nobody wants to see games 140 to 135 unless you bet you the know, over. Th- there's no tough <laughs> physical play anymore. Everybody's friendly on the court. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and, and just with the Knicks, listen, they had some bad drafts. You 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 have to be able to draft in the NBA and get star players. You know, last year they took R.J. Barrett in the last draft. Good player, but he's not the type of guy that's going to make other players better around him. He's just not. He's a very good player, but he's going to need some help and some supporting help. And it's going to take another two, three years of the Knicks drafting and drafting wisely to uh, to, to get this team to, you know, to be a winner. Because, yeah, I- again, like I said... Free agents aren't coming here. They got they were a laughing stock with Durant and not that I wanted Kyrie Irving, but and even Durant, who's to say that he's gonna stay healthy the rest of his career after having an Achilles? You don't know. But, but we but we definitely did cover a lot of things. We got like some we said, we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of stuff. We had Mets, we had Yankees, we had Giants. We got the Red Sox in there, so we got the Red Sox, we got the Giants, we got uh we covered the Rangers. We covered Henrik Lundqvist and Eli Manning specifically. We did a lot. We did a lot, and not and thank God I don't have many. Time. I don't really have that many Islander or Devil fans. Thank God, so I don't need to be getting texts. Well, we're not talking about the Islanders and the Devils. Well, how could you have any Islanders friends? There's no Islander fans. That's true. They're all out Suffolk, Long Island. We uh, we there. we spoke about this. I I only the I only personally know one single. Islander fan on a personal level. You want to know something? Growing up in Brooklyn, growing up in Brooklyn, back in, in the in the in the eighties, uh, late seventies, early eighties, it was me and my friend Carl. We were the only Ranger fans in my neighborhood. All my good friends were all Islander fans. Really? And back in that day, we used to have something. It was a cable box called Wometco, W H T, and they used to play like. One regular movie, and then like at night, porn movies. <laughs> they played. It was like a little brown box with one little knob on it. And during the uh, Ranger uh, Ranger play, a Ranger on the playoffs, they used to put on put the games on special on that little box. So we were able to see the games because back then you were never able to watch the games on regular television. Right. Playoff games. Right. And it was just me and my friend Carl. And back then, it was that's when the, the Islanders had a dynasty. Right. So we used to get chased out of my friend's houses, like down the block. We used to go running out because we used to get abused. And where'd they all go? The Islander fans? Yeah. Well, <laughs> gone. Thank God. <laughs> See you later. Thank God. Don't let the door hit Don't you on the, the way out. Don't let the door hit me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just what we said not to say to Lundquist, you could say the Islander fans. It's okay. Uh, another quick update on a personal level. Still have not found my fantasy football money. You're Still. not going to find it. Well, I was hopeful that well, I would find uh, it. Why don't you tell all the listeners where you were over the past day or two? I was in Atlantic City. Oh, so he loses money. Goes to Atlantic City not, and loses not, more money. He's miserable losing money, so he decides, let me take a ride down south. And by the way, happy birthday to the lovely Brooke. Yes, my girlfriend Brooke, her 23rd birthday was yesterday. Happy, so birthday, happy birthday to, birthday to her. her. So you took Brooke to Atlantic City and decided... Ah, wasn't good enough just losing my fantasy football money. Let me go contribute some more. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. And I'll lose but some we, more money. We spoke about it. I didn't necessarily need the money. I could have used the money, but I didn't need the money. But I remained hopeful. I remained positive because you were preaching positivity that whole entire day. Listen, so I was that positive. money's gone, guy. <laughs> well, the, you put it that way. Even my positivity won't help you find that money. Yeah, well, I didn't lose too much money over the weekend. 
I spent a lot of money. We went to uh, Gordon Ramsay Steakhouse. Ah. It was a very, very good meal. Very, very pricey, but it was a very, very good meal. So, yeah. So, I lost I lost uh, the money that I was given from fantasy football. Spent a lot of money over the weekend. And full so. disclosure, I, I, I had texted Andrew and I said, you know, have fun in AC, basically. And what did I tell you about handing the money over to, to Brooke? I said, don't lose. I said, tape your money or, or glue your money to your pockets. Yeah, you said tape, tape the money to the inside of your I said, pockets so off, don't lose it. I said, better off, just give it to Brooke. It's good practice for when you get married. Yeah, teaching us how to do things the right way. That's but it was, it was a good weekend. We uh, you know, still haven't found the money, but hopefully it'll turn up. Hopefully it'll turn up. Well, it would we'll have been nice if you could have won some money in Atlantic City, but that doesn't yeah, happen Yeah, well, often. you know why I didn't win any money in Atlantic City? Because I didn't bring you with me. Yeah, I, miss, I was lucky. Money but bags. I, you yeah, have some luck in Atlantic City. I have City. some luck there. But listen, you gotta you gotta put the money in in order to win the money. Believe me. Yeah, that is true. All the money I put in there, and then you know the best is when you get these comps in the mail. Oh, free cruise. Oh, look at this, a Samsonite luggage set. Oh yeah, it only cost me eight thousand to get that free cruise. Yeah, yeah. Where do you think they got the money? Yeah, to where give do you think they get stuff? the money to give you the free stuff? Yeah. Everybody, like, oh wow, look at this. They give me all oh, free toaster, George Foreman grill. Oh look. See, yeah. I may be young and naive when it comes to the Mets, but I'm not young and naive when it comes to that stuff. No. I know I know when it's a deal, and I know when it's a gimmick. It's never uh, a deal when it comes to Atlantic City, yeah. my friend. No way. No never. way. But so. episode three in the books, another successful one. Uh, stay in touch on Twitter, as always. My personal account, at Andrew May underscore 21. Again, that's at Andrew May underscore 21. We certainly covered a lot today. We'll continue to cover a lot um, pretty much as long as – the Mets don't do anything egregiously wrong. We have enough time to kind of bounce around and cover everything we want to cover. Uh, obviously, next Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but next Sunday is the Super Bowl, 49ers and the Chiefs. Yeah, so we'll, we'll certainly get into that. We'll we'll get preview into that, that next week, week uh, talk about our predictions for that and anything else that comes as the week goes on. But uh, for Rob, Drew Frey, I'm Andrew May. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on Episode 4. Take it easy. Take it easy.